Praise God. God is good all the time, and indeed, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen. Amen. It's good to see smiley faces, and, and I always look forward to seeing where the Word of God is going to take us on a given Sunday uh, with so much going on and whatnot. It's, sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around, you know, where do I go next and what do I do? And I've got many irons in the fire, many expectations, and so forth, you know. And then many times that, that old spirit of fear will rise up. And it will, will rise up in us and make us get concerned and worried. Oh boy, am I going to be able to, to pull off this thing that I'm praying for? Or, or what if it doesn't happen? I've got this thing in the balance. And what it does is that it creates a fear in you. You know. Now, many times we as Christians, we've, we've quoted the scriptures repeatedly. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so we know how to focus on that spirit of fear. Um, I've also talked at length many times off and on about how um, how the devil works in our lives and that and that that very rarely does something come on so suddenly that that many things that the devil brings upon us brings against the children of God it can be it can start with a gradual thing and he uses deception um, uh, to, to, to get us off our game uh, he's working in areas many times where we don't realize he's working so sometimes fear will not just hit us boom you know all of a sudden it can be working in us and we can even be unaware of the fact that it's building. So what this is, is it's actually based on, on a cycle, okay? And it's a cycle of fear. And what it starts with is that cycle, it'll start with doubt somewhere, and then that doubt morphs into unbelief, and then that unbelief, if left unchecked, will then morph into actual fear, okay? And then after the fear thing is, you know, you, you get that under control, the next thing you know, if you're not careful, it slips back into that doubt thing again, something else arises in your life, and then that doubt morphs into, into fear, into unbelief, and then unbelief into fear, and the cycle just continues, the cycle just continues. Excuse me a second here, let me... Okay, too many gadgets beeping off here. <laughs> Praise God. So the cycle of fear is doubt, unbelief, and fear. And then it goes right back around to doubt again, okay? And doubt, doubt is so easy to sink in. Sometimes doubt is easier to sink in than the actual fear thing because sometimes you're strong enough to, 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 to come against that fear thing. But with the doubt thing, the doubt starts as subtle. It starts in a subtle way. So we're going to look at this cycle of fear today and we're going to dissect it and unpack exactly what it means. Now, starting with doubt, there are two kinds of doubt, okay? The first doubt is self-doubt. Okay, and of course that self-doubt is where you are doubting your capabilities, um, you're doubting that you are able to do something, you know, you're, you're, you're doubting that you are even worthy of God to, to, to even carry out this thing that you're praying for, alright? So let's look at the self-doubt. Go to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Okay, Ephesians 1, and we're going to start with verse number 3. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, okay, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded towards us all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. And I'm just going to pause there and, and stop there. So the first thing with this self-doubt, you have to realize who we are. Okay, and these scriptures here tell us pretty plainly, it says in verse number four, according as, as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. So, you know, God lives in one continuous now. You know, you were born in 19 so and so, whatever the date and year was, all right? But, but, but. <laughs> The plan for your life, you, God saw you in his plan way before the foundations of the earth. So before you start doubting yourself and start thinking about, am I incapable of doing this thing that I'm praying for and being able to carry out this thing, first of all, think about how you are in God's mind. He thought about you way back in, way back when, you know, before the foundation of the earth. In verse number 5 it says, having, predest- having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So in his mind's eye, he already saw you being adopted into his family. Of course, now we all have that choice when it comes down to us um, becoming of age and whether or not we accept Jesus Christ. But because of the fact that you're sitting here today and you're a born-again child of God, you've been adopted into the family. So first of all, you are one of God's children. So the self-doubt, you've got to get it out of your mind in terms of me not being worthy. Um, You'd be surprised how many Christians, when they're praying to God for something, there's a voice that whispers inside their head, even though they're praying to God and they're down on their knees and they're praying, and even though intellectually they have the understanding of who God is and their relationship to God, there's a little nagging voice in the back of their heads, the gee whiz, who am I that God's really going to honor this? You know, am I worthy? You know, back in 1970, so-and-so, I did this and I did that. Am I really worried? Am I really worthy? You know, does God really love me? You see? So this doubt is there nagging at us. So that's that one kind of doubt that just starts. Now, we haven't even gotten to the point of fear yet. But we've got this self-doubt that's nagging in our minds there. You go to the book of John. The book of John. You know, was it the uh, was it the Lion King movie? I think it was where Mufasa said to the little one, "Remember who you are." With that beautiful, resonant, deep voice. Remember that? Okay. We kind of have to stop and think about that sometimes. We need to remember who we are. You know, besides the fact that your name is John Smith or whatever, you have to remember in God's eyes you're someone much more special. There's something special and it's not just, you're not just John Smith. John 1 and look at verse number, uh, let's start at the beginning because I love this verse. Uh, 1 1, John 1 1. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, or the darkness understood it not. There was a man sent from God, his name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. This is referring to Jesus, of course. He came unto his own. And his own received him not. But as many as received him. Listen listen to this now. But as many as received him. To them gave he power. To become the sons of God. Even to them that believed on his name. But as many as received him. To them he gave power. To become the sons of God. Even to them that believed on his name. Which were born not of blood. Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of, of man. But of God. Okay. So if you just pepper your name. Throughout all of that. And make it really 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 personal. It says he came unto you. And you put your name there. Okay. He, he, he came unto his own. Uh, but his own received him not. That's not you. But as many as received him. This is you. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. So you are a son or a daughter of God. Okay? And it says there, and and the criteria is only that you received him. And the fact that you're a born-again Christian means that you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Alright? So that alone, based on that premise then, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the the son of God, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we human beings, we are in two worlds. Obviously we're born of a mom and a dad and you're physically brought into the world by your mother but the spiritual side of you the true side is born of God okay so so when when this self-doubt comes it comes into mind you have to stop and say to yourself I'm not some little lowly something that's just groveling around here in the ground you know I'm praying to God for this thing to happen in my life I'm praying for God for an answer to this I'm not just some little lowly reject I am his son I am his daughter okay and, and, and my spirit belongs to him my spirit belongs to him so therefore I am not I am not a nobody, you see. But so many times that self-doubt just kind of gets into the back of our minds and just kind of, it dwells in there. And and the insidious thing about the devil and self-doubt is that it's not always working on a conscious level, okay? But it's there nagging at you unconsciously or subconsciously, just below the surface, you know. Whereas something you may be proud about and really maybe be jumping up for joy and, and thumping your chest about, you don't do that because there's this little nag thing that's deep in your spirit there that's telling you you're not worthy you're not worthy okay so the doubt there the first part of that doubt is the self-doubt okay now um, let's go to 1 Corinthians one Corinthians chapter 10. one Corinthians 10. One Corinthians ten, and we're going to just go right to verse number thirteen. One Corinthians ten, verse thirteen. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, 
who will not suffer you or will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly, dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge ye what I say. So hear what he's saying there. There is no temptation taken you but such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above or go through something beyond what you're able. So as far again this self-doubt, if you think you're not able to do this, remember that God is not going to, to take you into any sort of trial or tribulation. First of all, that has not happened to all the people. It hasn't happened to other people, you know. And that's one of the reasons also why the Word of God talks about uh, not forsaking the gathering together of yourselves, because in unity there is strength. You know, many times you will find, um, after a church service, and you will find brothers and sisters talking after the sermon, and they may be saying, boy, you know, that sermon sure hit home. You know, it hit me. What's going on in my life? And the person that you're talking to may wind up saying to you, well, gee whiz, you know what? I've got a similar thing going on. And you'll say, what? Really? Yeah, I'm telling you, my so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And the two of you will find out that there's an issue that you have in common. That's going on. So therefore, your, your self-doubt is, 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 um, is, is, is uh, how can I say, it's diluted some. Because you see, first of all, this problem is not just a problem that you're experiencing. That there's another child of God who is also a child of God who's experiencing something similar to you. See, so, so that self-doubt then gets watered down a little bit. Because, you know, the interesting thing about the devil is that when you've got an issue going on in your life you feel like you are the only one that's got this issue you feel like gee whiz I've done this and I've done that I'm the only one on the planet that's going through this challenge this trouble you know but it's not the case at all there are other people that have the same situation or something very very similar in nature or maybe it's not involving the same people or the exact same circumstance but in, in the nature of things it's exactly what you're going through amen so we have to see it by knowing this and first of all God is not going to allow you to go through anything or have any sort of, of, of issue or trial that you're, you're unable to, to withstand and then he will also give you a way out, okay? So you have to start stop, stop thinking that I am not capable, I'm not able I am a child of God God is going to see me through this, he's not going to put me in a position that I will not be able to accomplish this or if it is something that is too heavy for me God will certainly give me a way out that I'm not going to go, go down crash and burn in flames, amen? So we see, see here now, so the first part of that doubt is the, self, is the self-doubt. Now, the other part, which is more obvious to people, of course, is, 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 uh, is, is the other doubt. And that's where you're actually doubting God. Okay? Let's go to Genesis 17. Genesis 17. This is where you're actually doubting God. You see? And, and the two, the two are, are so related, but many times if you are... If you have a lot of self-doubt, then that means that you are not really strong enough to understand and, 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 and have real faith in God. Because if you had real heavy-duty faith in God, you wouldn't be doubting self. You wouldn't have that self, self-doubt uh, uh, developing in you. So doubt part two is doubting God. And we're looking at Genesis chapter 17. And we're going to go to verse 15. Okay. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. 
Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, underline and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said of God, Oh, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this time in the next year. Okay? So let's unpack what, what's really happening here, okay? You, you, you go, you see there in verse 15 it says, And God said to Abraham, Okay, he didn't get this by way of an email or someone didn't come up to him and whispered in his ear or Facebook, okay? God spoke to him and said, As for thy wife, Sarai thy wife, call her name Sarah, and I will bless her and give thee a son. I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nation, king of kings. And then interesting thing in verse 17, Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, now you've heard me say repeatedly God does not look at external things He looks at your heart He looks what's going on He's looks what, really, what you're really thinking So in his heart of hearts He fell on his face And he was giving God that respect But in his heart of hearts He doubted God He doubted God Deep in his heart he said How can this be? How can this happen? I'm 90 years old and she's old. How can, how can this happen? You see? So the other part of doubt, after you get past the self-doubt where you're doubting God, is God is telling you that he's going to do so and so for you, or he's going to bring you to this place. He's going to accomplish this thing in your life. This is going to happen. And then you sit back and you do the math. Gee whiz, my bank account's not big enough for that. I don't have the education for that. I don't have the strings. I don't know the people. You, you know, I hate flying. How am I going to get, get to get to the pyramids? <laughs> you know, that's a long boat to a long boat to Egypt. <laughs> you know, a long boat. You know, and you start going through all of this stuff, and and you're saying deep in your heart, even though you're saying to God, "I hear you, God." And you're saying, "Amen." Okay. I've prayed over people, you know, and so forth like that, and I hear, amen, amen. But what's deep in their heart? What's deep in their heart? You know, we'll get up here, we'll praise together in the morning before church, start the service starts, and, and so on. But deep in their mind, you know, there'll be, be a prophecy that'll come forward, and people say, amen, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. But deep in their heart, what are they really thinking? Okay, you see? So this is where you, you've gone from the self-doubt, okay, and now you've gone into where now you're, you're doubting God, okay? And then, then Abraham goes on to say still, he said, um, and Abraham, or he told, God says he's going to bless Isaac. Then in verse 18, and Abraham said unto God, but what about Ishmael? God says, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and thou shalt my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, well, I've heard you, but behold, I've blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes, etc. You see, God had to honor the fact because Ishmael was indeed of his seed. 
Okay, but he wasn't the one that he had really chosen. Isaac was the one that he had chosen. You see, see, and they 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 got to this point with Ishmael. Okay, because again, in doubting God, do you remember what happened here? This is where where Sarai, Sarah was. I'm too old for this. Abraham, take my handmaiden, you know, and 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 have a baby with her because I'm too old. So here she's doubting God. All right, and so they decide also. This is where I'm going to help God. God can't do this for me. I'm too old. Abraham's too old. I'm too old for sure. So let me help God by giving my husband, pushing him into adultery, if you will, to have this baby with Sarai. Okay? I mean, with, with, with our, um, I uh, can't think of her name now. Hagar. Hey, Hagar. Thank you. Thank you. With Hagar. Amen? Amen. You see, so this is another thing we've got to be careful of because of the fact that, that, that we have self-doubt and that we start doubting God, that we decide we're going to help God, all right? So in other words, you're expecting for something to happen in your life, and God has said to you, I'm going to give you this thing, I'm going to bring you to this place in life, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and you don't see things happening fast enough, or you think, well, how can this be? I don't have the education, I don't have the money, I don't have this, I don't have that, and you decide, well, let me go call up somebody who can help me with this, you know? Let me go call somebody who can, who can give me a leg up, you know? Well, Jesus, since I don't have the money to, to, to get this, thing to make this thing happen oh I know what I'll do I know what I'll do I'll go call up Joey he's a good neighborhood loan shark I'll borrow $300,000 from him okay alrighty and you go out there because you're going to help God to make this thing happen in your life so you're going to go borrow $300,000 now what kind of place have you gotten in, gotten yourself into by, now you're connected with a loan shark and you know what that's all about you know broken kneecaps and the whole bit <laughs> okay so you know what that's all about amen so you see so this is where I'm going to help God because I don't believe when God said he's going to give me this thing and get me to this position I don't have the money for it that now I'm going to help God they tried to help God God with this. Now, the result here was, as we all know, Ishmael. Ishmael, he is the progenitor of all of the, the Arab races. Okay? And we know the issues that are, that are going on there. You, you see? And, and, and God said, he said, as for Ishmael, I have heard you, and behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Okay? And indeed, the Arabs were indeed multiplied. Okay? So we see here what happens when you, 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 you doubt God, you don't trust God to do something, and you decide to help God yourself. Okay? So we're still in this vicious cycle. We're still at the we haven't gotten to unbelief and fear yet. We're still, we're still at doubt. So you can see how that just kind of built in a subtle fashion um, in your mind. Let's go forward back to the New Testament here and go to John 20. The book of John. You see, and half the time, you know, when we... But when we're at the last stage in that cycle, which is fear, which is the real terrible part now where you've got something in your life going where you're actually in a state of fear, we don't oftentimes think back to how we got to this fear. You know, how did we get there, you know? You know, did we start somehow because of this, this self-doubt that was going on, you know? Did, did we also really, really doubt God? And then have we gone to the point of unbelief? And now all of a sudden we're at, the, we're at the stage of our lives where now we've got this fear that's going on here. John 20, and we're going to go to verse 24. Okay. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. 
But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight, eight days again, his disciples were, with, were within, and Thomas with them. Then, Jesus, uh, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. Okay, so he doubted and we know that he became known as Doubting Thomas, you know, and that was because of the fact he he had to have everything shown to him. But Jesus said, blessed is he that believes when they haven't seen. Okay, and still and still believe, you see. So we got to be careful that we don't wind up in that place of doubt, doubting what God is telling us, doubting us, doubting what God's word has said, doubting what God has said to you. You see, and instead trying to entertain and figure out, well, how can this be? I need to see some proof. You know, if you tell me that I'm going to accomplish this and I need to have X number of dollars, then then I know that I will have it because God says that I'll have it. If a decision needs to be made and this is what needs to happen and I don't think I'm capable of doing it, God said that this is what he wants me to do, God will make a way. God will make a way. If anything does indeed crop up that is too difficult for me to handle, God will indeed give me a way out because this issue that I'm facing it is not anything that that hasn't happened to someone else on this earth before my situation is not totally unique you know and many times we do we feel like what is happening to us and the decision that we have to make no one else on this planet has ever been in this situation that hadn't happened to anyone else before you know you know knowing that there's been a whole lot of people alive on this planet before I got on this planet and that my issue is not uncommon to man as the word of God says you see but we let that doubt start creeping in we let that doubt you know there's no one under the sun that knows what I'm going through you know how quickly how quick we are to say that no one knows what I'm experiencing no one knows my feeling well first of all God knows what you're feeling God knows what your situation is alright so get away with the self doubt and get away from the doubt of doubting God okay so then the next place in that vicious cycle is the unbelief Now, the Bible mentions two kinds of unbelief. One kind of unbelief is doubt that is accompanied by a desire to believe. believe. Okay? One kind of doubt is is, uh, wrong. One kind of unbelief, I should say, is a doubt that we have, but it's accompanied by a desire to believe. Okay? In other words, gee whiz, you know, I kind of doubt that I'm going to be able to do this, but boy, I really want to believe that I can. <sighs> you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I'm kind of concerned about whether or not this, this is going to happen. But boy, I really believe, I, I really, I really wish that I, I could believe, alright? So let's go to the book of Mark. It's like, it's like, like it's like I'm almost there. I've got these doubts, but I, but I really, I want to believe. Okay, Mark 9, verse number 14. 
Mark 9, verse number 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them all. Uh, Mark 9, 14. He saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with him? A question ye with him. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he, he taketh him, he tears him, and he foams, and gnashes his teeth, and pines away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tore him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child, since he was a child. And oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou can believe, if thou can believe, if thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Please underline that, you see. Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. So obviously he still had his doubts. Okay, but he wants to believe. And he's saying, Lord, help me with my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he rose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So the, the words here, the, the scriptures here, the operative scriptures though is verse number 24 where he says, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. Okay? So again, the two types of unbelief is a person that, that has some doubts, okay, but still though, they want to believe. They want to believe. And as you see the father there. Jesus had mercy on the father who said this for this man's son was possessed by the evil spirit although the father had his doubts he was willing to exercise faith as small as a mustard seed you know in Luke 17 it talks about faith as small as a mustard seed so Jesus was able to heal, heal this son another kind of unbelief is that obstinate hard hearted refusal to believe let's go to Hebrews 3 okay Hebrews 3. You know, and, and, and I'm sure this, this type of uh, unbelief, more people, most people are very familiar with because we see so many people that are in this category. Hebrews 3, verse number 7. Hebrews 3, verse number 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. 
in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Please in the line. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginnings of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, please underline, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that, sh- that, that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Underline verse 19, please. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Okay? So this is hardened hearts where someone is just steadfast in the obstinate. No matter what you show me, I am not going to believe. You know? And we see that on the rise in this country today. We see that on the rise. Where there, there are some people that I don't care what you say, they will not believe in God. They don't want to go for the, the, the concept of God, the concept of Christianity. They, they just simply don't want to hear it. They will put everything else and elevate it up there, kill, kill babies, you, you know, you know to just, just abort the babies and, and, and no concern for life. And, and, and when there's so much evidence that God is around them and there are so many of us Christians that are there, they simply do not, they, they will not believe. They will not believe, you know. And you've seen the atheists on TV when they get into these things here where they, they actually will mock a Christian and everything like that. You know, you, you believe this fable, you know, of this thing floating around in the sky. I mean, this is hard-hearted. You know, and they are provoking God. The provocation that is referred to is that, it's that period of time, those 40 years where Israel just constantly provoked God. Because God showed them miracle upon miracle, and then they turned around and again, started complaining. Why didn't we go back to Egypt? You brought us out here to die, Moses. We wish we had stayed in Egypt. They did everything with their unbelief, just provoking God. God showed them miracle upon miracle. Well, the same thing happens today. Amen. We have the word of God here with us. We have Holy Spirit here with us. They didn't have access to Holy Spirit. Not every single person had access to Holy Spirit back then, you see. But God has given us so many proofs that He is real. He, is, he has spoken to us. But yet still, there are many still that have simply hardened their hearts and they are, they are, are obstinate. And they've gotten to the point that that is just plain old, un, un, unfettered un, unbelief. No matter what you say to them, they will not believe. Okay? This kind of unbelief not only hinders the supernatural work of God, okay, if you look at Matthew 13 verse 58 but it also brings about God's righteous anger and swift judgment you see and people the, the reason that people today don't see many more miracles that, that they could see is because many more people just simply don't believe today okay all right, all right. If, if you believed in your household you see miracles happening in your household if you believed in things regarding your, your life your personal life you will see miracles happening in your life you know you will see the things that you're praying for that that I mean, when God brings it to happen, you'll say, wow, 
Look at that. It really happened. And it will astonish you. It will astonish you. Okay? Not that you unbelieved. Not that you didn't believe. Or not that you doubted. But it's just that when these things, when God does bring these wondrous things that you've been praying for and hoping for to pass in your life, it really, really hits you. Wow, look how wonderful God is. You see? But there are those that simply have hardened their hearts. And they simply will not believe. Okay? So once you get to that, that part of the cycle... Again, don't forget now, it started with self-doubt, and then there was doubt in God, okay, and that goes unchecked, that doubt in God goes unchecked, the next thing you know now, you're in a state of unbelief, you know, you may even start off with, okay, Lord, help my belief, but then maybe something doesn't happen fast enough in your life, then all of a sudden it morphs to, all of a sudden then you're in a state of unbelief, where you just simply start doubting God, you start thinking, well, it's not going to happen in my life. You see, and this is where this is where God God gets righteously angry, you know, especially for a child of God who has seen Him at work in his life and has professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and then for you to fall into a state where you're you're not believing God, well, you know, if, like the Scripture says, it's going to stop the supernatural workings of God in your life. Then also you're lining yourself up for His righteous anger. Then we get to the last part of this of this uh, chain before it starts all over again. Uh, and which is fear. So let's go to the book of Psalms. Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Okay. And to start with, we start with uh, fear of man. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Okay? Now, being that we operate in a world where there are, in this physical world, where there are other human beings... There, in many, many times, the things we're praying for, the things that we're hoping for, are involving people. And maybe these people may have some power of decisions or choice over you in your life or whatever the situation or whatever might might be. And sometimes we start feeling, oh boy, oh boy, what if that person doesn't decide in my favor? Or what if that person does this or does that? Well, verse number 60, this, this, this simply says, as, uh, as, as plain as day, what, uh, what is it? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Okay? There's nothing that a man can do unto you. Okay? And especially in terms of if we judge what can I be done to me, if we judge that in comparison to what is really important in my life, okay? And what is most important in our lives is eternal life and us pleasing God while we're here, okay? So no man has any impact or any influence over your final position with God in heaven, okay? Ultimately, on this earth, the most that a man can do is take your physical life, Okay, you can do that. But then if you're a child of God, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Okay, so maybe he's done you a favor. That's a hard way to look at it, but maybe he's kind of speed it, sped up the process for you and you go home to the Lord. Amen. But ultimately, though, that's all that a person can do to you. You see, so why do we fear him? Okay, all right. That individual that you are fearing, God has control over him or her. 
So what if that individual may be plotting towards you or doing towards you that could do you some harm? God certainly knows that, and God is certainly going to protect you from that. Amen. Amen. So as so as, as it says there, God is on my fi- on my side. Um, I will not fear what man can do. You, you, you know, and who is better to have on your side th- than God? Okay, God is greater than everything that there is, so we so we don't we don't fear that. All right, but that's one of the first places that fear starts coming coming in. God is consistent. The most important part of you is something no person can ever threaten, which is your soul or your spirit. In Jesus, our spirits are secure. Nothing can separate us from that love. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay, so that's the first place that you should be able to sit back and kind of breathe and relax. Then we look at the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 3. Okay, Proverbs 3. Uh, And we go down to 21. Proverbs 3, 21. My son... Let not them depart from thine eyes. Let's let's back up. Um, let's let's back up a bit so we get the whole thing in context here. Go to thirteen, verse thirteen. Proverbs three, verse thirteen. Happy is the man that finds wisdom, and the man that gets understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou can desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all and all are paths of peace. All her paths of peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retains her. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth, by understanding has he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the, the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto your soul, and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Okay, so please put a bracket around verse number 23 and 24, or highlight the whole bracket. Then shalt thou walk in the way safely, and your foot shall not stumble. Anything that you're walking in, if you're holding on to God's words, and holding on to everything that he says and is to you as being truth, is that you shall not stumble. When you lie down, you shall not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. And how many times do we go to bed at night and we stay up because we're thinking about the next day? Whatever that issue is that you've got out there working, whatever that, that thing that you, you, you've been praying about, you know, or, or if you've got a meeting with somebody, or if you've got a phone call to make, or something is supposed to take place on that next day, you lay there in the bed and you're tossing and you're turning and you're rehearsing in your mind what you're going to say, what the other person is going to say, which they never say it. They never say what you think they're going to say. You, you know, you know. I, I, I know one time I was feeling my oats, oats as a young manager. We were in a meeting, and uh, um, someone asked a question, and my boss, the vice president, was about to, to speak. And I said, well, I can answer that, Bob. 
And he looked at me, he stopped, said, okay, go ahead. And I went on, da-da-da-da, he said, wrong. <laughs> Flat out like that. Okay, so right on, okay, there I was. I thought I knew the answer. I thought I knew what the person was going to say. And he just let me go on and just trip all over myself. I learned a lesson, never did that again. Okay, I sit and I listen, all right. You see, you see, but many times we will rehearse what is going to be said and what's going to be done, and it never comes to pass. And we wind up losing sleep over it, you see. See, so it says that well, um, when thou shalt walk in thy way safely, then you shall walk. And then being as if you have the wisdom and you have the understanding and you're trusting in God, alrighty, and then you shall walk safely in thy way, verse 23, and you shall not stumble. Things will not go wrong. When you lie down, you'll, you won't be afraid. Okay, 25, be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Okay, so you see there, there, it's all there again about being, not being afraid. You see, now, if you've got the self-doubt going and if you've got the doubt going and if you've got the unbelief going, then when you get to that state of fear, if you don't believe those words there, then of course you're going to wind up in that fear. You see, you see, and but so that that's part of that cycle where it starts with the doubt until it get, gets to the unbelief and then eventually into the fear. So here, the promise is that God provides us with direction. He has not left us left us alone in this world, alone in this world, to figure it out on our own. He gives us His Word and His Son as the example and the instruction we need to live free of fear. When we know His Word, we know His peace. You see, and that's when you can enter into God's rest when you understand His Word. Looking at the Book of Isaiah, a couple of more scriptures here. Book of Isaiah, verse uh, chapter twelve. Isaiah chapter 12, and looking at verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. God is my salvation. God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Underline line, not be afraid. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Okay? Alright, so just, just highlight all of verse number two there, underlining the part there. Uh, I will trust and not be afraid. See, so when that fear comes up to you, you know, we should always, the reason that the Word of God talks so much about meditating on God's words and reading the Word of God, if you're not meditating and reading God's Word, when you need to hear these things in your heart and in your spirit, if you're not reading them and meditating on them, they won't pop back up the way they should, you see. So here, this is a good scripture for you to read, read occasionally and read and keep you know, locked into your spirit. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Okay? And the promise here is that God is supremely strong. Because God has saved, saved me from death, because he gives me strength, I can choose to trust him. In times of fear, I can repeat these promises as a prayer and ask God to help me sing about salvation rather than think about and worry about other things. Okay? In Matthew, the book of Matthew... Matthew chapter 10. Thank you, Jesus. The last scripture here for today, Matthew 10. Praise the living God. Matthew 10, verse 29. 
And we're quite familiar with these scriptures, but let's read, read them. 10 verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear you not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever ever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth, but I am come to send, uh, I am not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and his daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes, fo- uh, foes shall be uh, they of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and follows me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that receives you receives me, and he that receives me receives him that sent me. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name uh, of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise or no way lose his reward. Okay? But the main scriptures here are in, um, in 29, are not to 31, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing. One of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. All right? So when you get that fear that's trying to creep up on you, remember how important and how valuable you are to, to God. Okay, if this is saying that every time a bird perishes, God knows about it. Every hair on your, on your head is numbered. God knows who you are. God knows what's going on in your life. And you are much more valuable to him than any animals or anything else that's on this planet. Amen. So therefore, that fear that winds up coming into your life because of something that's going on or something that is not going on, something you're hoping for, something you're praying for, remember these scriptures so that you don't, you don't wind up entertaining that fear. Because what that fear does then is that it reinforces more of that doubt. Because if you're fearing, then right away you get back to that now because you're afraid. You doubt that you have the capabilities because you're afraid. That self-doubt comes back. Then you start doubting what God's word said to me. And then all of a sudden you wind up then, okay, boy, I don't believe that God's going to do this. And then there's more fear that comes. And then your fear intensifies. And then the fear goes back to that self-doubt, doubt of God, unbelief. And it's just a vicious cycle that you wind up staying in where after a point you just get to the, get to feel like this whole thing is hopeless. Okay? And then the ultimate thing is, the ultimate thing, the danger if it does continue to go unchecked for a period of time, you wind up getting caught up in that cycle so deeply, unbelief and the fear. You get to the point, why bother? Why bother? It's all a waste of time. God's not going to help me. God doesn't hear me. I don't believe anything that's in this book. All right. So the fear becomes so great. Then you stop praying. You drop out of church. Okay. Then the devil sees that he's got you going. And then all of a sudden, a new shiny thing comes into your life. 
and that shiny thing becomes and looks so attractive now you start gravitating towards that and next thing you know all of your Christian upbringing everything that you did as a child of God falls by the wayside in the meantime the devil sits back and licks his chops and rubs his hands together and say oh boy great we got another one we pulled another one of them away from him okay and now we've got him you see and you so easily slipped right over to the other side, you see. So that cycle, you'd be surprised how it can get into your life. And if it goes unchecked, you wind up becoming and being in a place where you're far worse off than you ever could be. Amen? Amen? So, 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 so start with the, with the doubt. Don't entertain any doubt for what you're capable of doing. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I say that in my closing prayer all the time. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who, Jesus who strengthens me. Do not entertain your self-doubt. Don't let it go to doubt. No unbelief and no fear. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.